Hey guys, I've been wanting to make this video for a long time, but it's gonna take a little while to get through each of these scriptures. I'm not gonna read the scriptures because of the amount of them, but I encourage you to look them up. Pause the video, look them up. But the first ones I wanna start with, I'm gonna read, and it's Psalm 42, verse one, describing David and his heart before God. He says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We see David has a thirst for the Lord. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. Many of you have read these, but this is showing us what kind of a heart David had. You are my God. I seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He is desiring his God. Uh, Psalm 62, verse 5, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only. My hope is in Him. And then in Acts 13, verse 22, we see a description of David. And it says, After he had removed him, he raised up David, removed Saul. He, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he has testified. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Very interesting to me. Uh, if you look at Psalm 25, verse 5, right after that, it fits perfectly. It says, "25, verse 5, Lead me in your truth, teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Now, I'm going to go through this quickly. But again, I encourage you to pause after each scripture and look them up if you have the time for that. But uh, we're going to look at the life of Saul so that we can understand how precious David actually is. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel pours divine oil on Saul's head and he, he kisses him. Uh, God has an extension in the earth, and it is his prophet Samuel. So in this oil, God has anointed uh, Saul, and we see that this oil is separating him unto a specific task. God, through Samuel, kisses Saul's life. Chapter 10, verse 6, the Spirit of God comes upon Saul, and he speaks for God, and he's changed into another man. Verse 7, the scripture says that God was with Saul. Verse 8, he learns to wait for the word of the Lord, or he's taught to wait for the word of the Lord. Verse 10, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and people take notice of the Spirit on his life. There's a public endorsement that God has put upon Saul. Verse 16, Saul doesn't tell people about his position before God, nor the testimony of the power of God on his life. <laughs> Saul is not promoting himself. Verse 21, Saul is hiding from the exaltation as king among the people. He's lowly, he's uh, selfless. Verse 26, valiant men whose hearts God had touched rally behind him to serve him. All oh, the anointing pulled people to Saul's service in service to God. 
Verse 27, worthless men speak against Paul, uh, Saul, and Saul doesn't even stick up for himself. He's selfless, and he does not fight back. Verses 6 and 11 of chapter 11, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul mightily to deliver the people in a supernatural way. <laughs> Saul, under the power of God, exercises God's authority and God's power. God uses Saul mightily. Verse 13, Saul stands up for the people who spoke against him. He's, he has their lives spared. Look at this kind of character that we're seeing in Saul. 11 verse 15, Saul is exalted by the people because of the undeniable anointing and demonstration of God's power and authority through Saul's life. Verse 4, news in, in chapter 13, verse 4, news about Saul spreads everywhere because God has anointed him. God is upon him. God is using him. Verse 5 of chapter 13, the enemy then comes against Saul with a great number of warriors. Ten times the amount that Saul has comes against him. He is surrounded by enemies. This pressure under this weight is where Saul changes. Or shall I say, we see what's really in Saul. 1 Samuel 13 verse 8, Saul waits the appointed time but the word of the Lord does not arrive. This teaches us something. We don't wait just to wait. We're waiting for the word of the Lord. It's God who's the object of waiting, not waiting itself. Some think that if they wait at all, it is a purifier to their way, but we're not waiting for waiting's sake. We wait for the word. The motive and the inspiration for waiting on the word is, is not waiting itself, it is God. Even the best of men have their true motives exposed when God is silent. What you have chosen to do when God is silent, it's the greatest exposing of what is in the deepest part of your heart. And I say the same for myself. What I choose to do when God is silent exposes what is actually in the deepest part of my heart. Saul only waited for the word to be delivered out of the pressure of the situation. He only waited to be delivered out of the pressure. He wasn't waiting on the word because of the Lord, looking unto the Lord, out of thirst for the Lord, desire for only God. As David says, I, want, I wait for you alone. It's the additions that give you options. He wasn't waiting on the word because he was looking to the Lord. This is evident by choosing to force something to happen when the word of the Lord, when God does not show up. He wasn't looking for the, the Lord, so he waited, but he never actually waited because he only waited for waiting's sake. It isn't until Christ is the object that we actually wait as he desires us to. He was never looking for God only deliverance. <laughs> deliverance comes because of the word, not the word for deliverance. If our motives are looking unto the Lord, we are, we are mixed if we wait for something other than just the Lord. God must be more important to us 
than even the deliverance in our, of our situation, deliverance in our situation, or even our own name before people. Verse uh, 9 through 12 of chapter 13, Paul gets, Saul gets antsy, I keep saying Paul, Saul gets antsy and fears the people and seems that God is nowhere and that the word of the Lord has not come. So he forces himself to go ahead of the Lord, even doing, quote, the right type of thing just without God. The more he waited, the more he saw less and less of a chance of victory. He was losing followers. He was losing people. Saul blames the delay of the Lord for the people leaving. The ultimate issue is that when the enemy put pressure on Saul, he failed to trust in the Lord alone. He trusted in himself and his own wisdom. When it came to waiting on God, which is true trust, that pressure exposed his true heart. To get out of sync with God is to forfeit something God intended to give to us. Jesus, help me. Help me. 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. Samuel calls what Saul is doing foolishness. <laughs> he calls it disobedience. And Saul loses something that the Lord intended to give him. Verse 14. As sure as Saul disobeyed, he lost the kingdom. He is uh, showing us the origin of that phrase that we all love so much that is spoken about David. Because right at this time, in verse 14, it says, The Lord sought out for himself a man after his own heart. So with all this context of what broke Saul down, we see why these words of God were chosen. A man after my own heart. The man after God's own heart has to do with one who will wait on the Lord, obey the Lord, and put all their trust in the Lord, and not try to make something happen. Verse 14, sorry, chapter 14, Saul isn't used by the Lord for victory anymore, though he remains in power. Still functioning as king, but has lost the divine authority he once had. Verse 24, Saul's rule changes to curses and harsh treatment of his people. Verse 52, Saul has the pressure of war, quote, all his days. Also in 52, this is interesting, Saul attaches himself to anyone he can see the strength of God on. Isn't that interesting? He knows he has lost might. He's, he knows he's lost the blessing and favor of the Lord, so he clings to those who actually have it. <laughs> oh, we should never seek to find strength that we're not receiving from the Lord himself by clinging to people who are receiving strength from the Lord himself. Chapter 15, now this is where Saul is, is personally. He's completely turned from the Lord. He's focused on himself, but God in his mercy... <laughs> He speaks to him again anyways, and he gives him another chance to exercise his power and authority. In verse 9, Saul is unwilling to completely obey, to completely obey. He, he obeys, but he only obeyed the Lord in that which wouldn't make him lose face in front of the people. 
that which would cost him nothing. But when it came to real devotion and love and selflessness towards the Lord, he religiously justified a compromise within himself. He religiously justified a compromise within himself. God saw that Saul's incomplete obedience was turning away from him, verse 11 in chapter 15. Man, Lord help me. God sees his unwillingness to sacrifice and obey completely as turning away from his presence. God. Verse 12, Saul sets up a monument for himself. Verse 12, chapter 15, Saul sets up a monument for himself. Partial obedience is just before self-exaltation. Partial obedience is the sign of self-exaltation. Partial obedience is just before you erect a monument to yourself. Dear God. Chapter 15, verse 13. He knows he's disobeyed, but he presents outwardly that he's been obedient. He's entered into pageantry now. He's painting himself. Verse 11 and 14, as prophets do, Samuel weeps and then he speaks. All prophets always carry the burden before they release the oracle. They weep before they whip. He weeps and then he speaks. Verse 15, uh, Saul blames his disobedience on others. Verse 17, Samuel calls out the heart of Saul's issue. He says, you were, remember the first things we said about Saul? You were little in your own eyes and God made you king, but now you have disobeyed Jesus. Jesus. Samuel doesn't just call out the disobedience, but also the motive for the disobedience. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? He says, Samuel calls this evil and he points out the personal gain that Saul received through his disobedience. Verse 21, Paul, <laughs> Saul sticks with his religious justification, stubbornness, like in Psalm 80, stiff-necked, resolute adherence to his own will. Verse 22 and 23, Samuel begins to teach. He does, uh, he says, does the Lord enjoy religious services and practices or obedience to his voice. Samuel's teaching us that person must always be over practice, but Saul has placed practice over person. To obey the voice of the Lord will always be more important to God than outward services and devotions. See, God would much rather us heed than give up the best we have unto him. He'd rather us just obey him than to do these extravagant things. Disobedience to God's voice is rebellion against God. Lord, it is like witchcraft, literally manipulating on some other basis rather than the obedience of love. To seek knowledge of the future or unknown through supernatural means is idolatry. Saul does this. Your insubordination, he says, is idolatry, Samuel. Idolatry and witchcraft are obvious sins. We know this. But God is saying that to disobey his voice is the same thing. 
God sees disobedience to his voice as rejecting him, and therefore God rejects Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 24, after Samuel breaks it down for Saul, through teaching and prophetic utterance, Saul is exposed and he confesses. And then he tells the real reason. He opens his mouth and he talks about the fear of man and listening to man. Fear will always eclipse God's voice with man's voice. Fear chooses logic over listening. Fear of man is a major part, a major reason why, a major reason why people do not trust God and obey him. Chapter 15, verse 25 through 27, Saul, in his great regret, says that he wants to return to obedience to God. He grabs Samuel's garment and he rips Samuel's garment. Samuel sees the action itself as a parallel to what God has just done by ripping the kingdom away from Saul. Verse 28, this phrase that I'm about to read to you shakes me to the core. God has taken the kingdom from you and given it to someone who is better than you. Oh my God. If you don't want to hear God say, I'm going to take away from you what I wanted for you and give it to someone who is better than you, then we must wait on the Lord in love. Love Him enough to wait for Him. Love Him like Jacob loved Rachel, waiting for her and would not accept something like her, even in her sister, and just having a woman. He said, no, 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 I will wait for exactly Rachel because I love her. We must love the Lord like this. We see David did that. So we must be a man after God's own heart, one who would trust him and listen to him, one who refuses to go on without him. First Samuel 1530, Saul realizes that he is totally lost out with God and someone else will have what was his and his true heart condition then is exposed. And he says these words, just honor me before the people. Honor me before the people. See, Saul had his self at the center. He didn't want to lose face in front of the people. 1535, the word of the Lord never again returned to Saul. Saul disappointed God. <laughs> Father, I beg you for myself and for those watching this, that you would give us a love so true to you that we'll wait for you, my God, that we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. Rip out of our hearts what we look like before the people. Empty us of what we think of ourselves and what others think of us or what others think we are or what we want them to think of us. Lord, empty us of all these things. I ask you, my God, protect us from the way of Saul and give us the heart of David, I pray. In your precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys so much. That was very special to me. It took me a long time to pull all that together and see it. But I feel it is a, it's a caution for all of us. I feel it vibrating in my bones. I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to start out low and then rise to the heights 
and no longer care about Christ. I want to be like David and say things like this, for you I wait all the day. Things like this, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. My soul thirsts for you. In a dry and weary land where there's no water, my soul is satisfied with you. My soul clings to you, Lord. My soul clings to you. My soul waits in silence for you alone. Oh, Father, do this in us. Thank you guys so much for watching. Bless you.